Dolan, Crispin Lobb Mincing and Alistair Truefit McKenzie landed their three spacecraft on the surface of an unknown planet in their usual graceful fashion. Having first swooped down low over the surface, turned the noses of the rockets upwards, fired their retro engines and descended smoothly to the ground. The planet had been picked out by Jimbird Flyflower as a particularly large and bright one and was part of a galaxy some millions of light years from the Earth and therefore unknown to the scientists of Earth. <laughs> said Chief Engineer Alistair Truffitt McKenzie. It seems to be part of a solar system not entirely dissimilar to our own. I calculate from the apparent distance of the sun over there, he said, looking at the telescreen, that the day is about 30 hours long. Aye, the year about 400 to 450 days. There are the customary four seasons, this being high summer, and that we have landed in a fairly temperate zone of the planet. Donan was impressed. That's quite a bit of calculating. Aye, said Alistair. I can read most of it off the instruments here, but the instrument panel also shows certain things that are a wee bit worrying. Crispin Lobmincing was studying the identical set of instruments on his spaceship. I see what you mean. The atmosphere contains precious little oxygen, just about enough to make it breathable for a short while, I'd say, and huge amounts of hydrocarbons, carbon monoxide and nitrogen oxides. Are they the fumes that cars give off? said Dolan. Amongst other things, yes. Breathing that stuff out there would be like taking deep breaths in the middle of Piccadilly Circus in the rush hour. We seem to be on the edge of a bigger city, put in Jimbird Flyflower, who'd been rotating the scanner on his telescreen. But there don't appear to be much life about the place. Well, said Dolan, the gravity's only a little bit stronger than it is on Earth. I suggest we hop out and take a look around and see what we found. And what they'd found horrified them. The city was empty, desolate, uninhabited from one end to the other. There was total silence, except for the echoing footsteps of the gypsies, and a softly moaning wind that blew the stinking air into their faces. It appeared from advertising posters on billboards, photographs in shop windows and the general scale of everything. To have been inhabited by a race of creatures almost identical in size and appearance to man, though perhaps a little lighter built, probably because of the greater gravity pull than on Earth. But where had they gone and why? The doors to the empty shops and houses swung and banged in the wind and there was no one. The gypsies entered shops in the city centre Food lined the shelves of grocery stores. Ivan tentatively reached for a fresh-looking doughnut. But Jimbird warned him. We shouldn't touch it, lad. We don't know what's happened here. They entered a radio shop. On an impulse, Dolan took a transistor radio. A large one that looked as if it had had a wide reception range. He tore open a packet of new batteries and loaded them. The radio was quite similar to the best of those Dolan had seen on Earth, 
although like everything else they had seen so far on this planet, it was rather more advanced in its concept and its design. Dolan touched a button, and the aerial extended itself. He touched another, and the radio sprang to life, but life of only a limited kind. On the wave bands from end to end, as Dolan spun the tuning dial, there was absolutely nothing but the constant hiss of static. Nothing else. They went into clothing shops, lines and lines of racks of brightly coloured clothes in strange but beautiful fabrics. Boxes of fruit and vegetables stood unattended outside greengrocers. There was only the slightest sign of the beginnings of mould on them. They, uh, can't have been gone for long, you know, said Festy Snarkbuster. Sure, and they must have left it the very devil of a hurry, said Father Out. Big up. Yes, said Dolan. But everyone, everyone on the planet, where could they have gone? And how? We may have an answer soon, me child, said Jimbird, who, apart from many of his other skills and talents, was also something of a linguist. Dolan had noticed him studying the names on the shop fronts and muttering to himself as his brain decoded the unfamiliar language. Jimbird had picked up a newspaper, which had come bowling down the street, pushed along by the wind. Jimbird studied the large, bold headline on the front page, noted the contents of a couple of photographs, perused the columns for a few minutes, then hurriedly folded the paper and stuffed it into his pocket. Let's take a look. A few of the houses, he said quickly, and set off down the deserted street as fast as his one leg would carry him. His crutch made an eerie tap, 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 which echoed from the silent walls of the city. There was food on the tables in many of the houses, some of it half-eaten, some of it untouched. Most of the bedrooms showed signs of a hasty exit, drawers left open, wardrobes half-empty. Here and there, even an abandoned suitcase only half-packed. Sadly, there were many domestic pets, and they were all dead. Smart, brightly coloured birds lay on the floor of their cages. Rabbits in hutches, cats by firesides, dogs in kennels. Dead. All dead. Dolan switched on a portable television, which, like all the others, had a circular screen. Not a flicker of life. In the yard of one of the houses, they found a minibus that appeared to be petrol-driven. All of the gypsies piled in. Flipper Pilkington took the wheel. It started right away. They drove for a few miles along a well-surfaced road, noticing as they went huge signboards painted bright red with large arrows pointing down tracks which led off into the countryside. So far as you could call it countryside, although Alistair had said they were in summer in a temperate zone, the grass had a burnt-out look. There were no green leaves on the trees and no birdsong to be heard anywhere. There were plenty of dead birds to be seen, though, on the ground, beneath the trees. They stopped at a garage along the way and helped themselves to a tank full of petrol. They had to pump it manually, 
as the electricity supply was not operating. They continued. More large red signs with arrows. Jimbird studied the lettering beneath the arrow, which was the same on every sign they passed, and muttered to himself, shaking his head sadly. None of the gypsies asked him what they meant. They knew Jimbird would tell them when he cracked the code of the language completely. Eventually, they came to the seashore. There were no beaches. Well, that's not quite true. There were indeed beaches, and many of them. But you couldn't see a grain of sand. Because they were entirely covered in a thick, black, sticky layer of tar. The gypsies walked along to the water's edge. Here, at least, was life and movement. The sea splashed with reasonable energy against the rocks. But in it floated the lifeless bodies of fish, their white bellies uppermost. Their unseeing eyes staring at nothing, as they tossed helplessly about in the waves. The sea was not blue as it should have been, but in spite of the bright sunshine and the cloudless sky... It had a flaccid, grey, oily look about it. Ivan didn't think he'd fancy a swim in it, and said so. Best you hadn't, me boy. Best you hadn't, said Jimbird. Dolan suddenly noticed that the rocks on which they were standing were alive with seashore cockroaches, and remembered having seen lots of the larger domestic variety scuttling about in the food shops and in the houses. Hey said Jimbird Flyflower. A cockroach is about the only critter that'll live through anything. Poison gas, atomic radiation, the lot. Anything else'll die, but your cockroach goes right on about his business, just as if nothing had happened. Dolan stamped crossly on a few of them. Yeah, I suppose they're thriving mightily in that huge garbage tip that goes in a ring right around the outside of the city back there. I've never seen so much rubbish in one place in all my life. There's so much of it. So very much. They drove back to the city centre, past the mysterious signs, through the mountain of garbage on the outskirts, and came to a halt in the city square. Dolan, Ivan, Billy and Bratto sat disconsolately on the edge of a fountain that wasn't working anymore, and tossed pebbles into the filthy water. Lob mincing, Flipper, Snarkbuster, Alistair and Father Out wandered aimlessly around, gazing up at the blind, empty windows of the tall buildings that surrounded them. I reckon, said Jimbird at length, that that ring of garbage round the city ain't the end of the story. In what way? said Dolan whose mouth, like everyone else's, was beginning to develop a bad taste from the foul air. Oi reckon, continued Jimbird, they came to regard this old planet as a piece of garbage, the ultimate in rubbish. So they just threw it away and left. Now, how does that sound here? <laughs> <laughs> 